Protein and creatine. Now, both are needed if you want to fuel your muscle growth and performance. So I learned on Google. See, I'm a noob to all of this, so I wasn't completely sure what these two did for your workout. So I researched it. Now, creatine, the energy master, is what it's known as, plays a key role in supporting immediate energy production during exercise. Now, creatine occurs naturally in our bodies, but it can be taken before, during, or after exercise. Now, protein, the muscle builder, helps repair and replenish muscle protein if swole is the goal. And swole is definitely always the goal. Getting the proper supply of protein before and after working out ensures this process occurs efficiently and effectively. So if you're looking for those gains, as you should be, there really is no either or situation, but it's really a matter of getting a healthy dosage of both. Now, as you can tell, my life is a gym. Not really, but as a runner, I have things in place that are just as important. I mean, real quick, say if I want to increase my pace or, or my endurance, there's cross training and pickups. Uh, likewise, I, I need to help replenish with enough fluids I need to be eating well, I need to be resting and sleeping well, and I need that recovery. And see, this could be said about anything else that you do. There are vital things that are required for a, purpose, a, per, a, for a process to occur efficiently and effectively. Now, again, as you guys can tell, I'm no bodybuilder, and I understand the need to have a routine or a process be not only efficient but effective too. Otherwise, we're exercising the wrong part, or, or worse, we're going to hurt ourselves. And getting both protein and creatine, as well as getting rest, fluids, and stretching and, and running, but really any exercise, the, these things are vital, they're important. And in the same way, truth and love are extremely vital for growth and unity to occur within the church. Skipping a particular routine within the exercising process may be physically harmful, harmful or stunt any progress. But Paul would argue that skipping out on truth and love stunts the necessary growth Christians are to be striving for. Go ahead and open your Bibles or devices to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 through 16, and please follow along. Rather, speaking the truth in love, verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Our goal as Christians is to grow in our union with Christ and relying on Him for the whole body's growth. When speaking the truth in love, there is unity and cohesion allowing for that body, that body believers, to grow. Now, if you're taking notes, go ahead and jot this down. My first point for tonight is Make sure your love is verbal and truthful. Make sure you are speaking truth in love. Now that phrase there, the Greek word for speaking the truth, can be translated to truthing in love. That's right, sounds a little odd, but truthing in love. With which, uh, which furthers what Paul is telling us in verse 15. See, truthing in love, speaking the truth in love, has an idea of maintaining truth in love 
not just in how you speak, but how you live out your life. That means helping each other by help, being honest or truthful because you love each other. You have each other's best interests in mind. See, I was talking with somebody about helping people avoid embarrassing situations. Like how you would tell somebody if somebody just finished eating a salad, you're having lunch with somebody, they just finished eating a salad and they had some kale or, or they just had stuff in your teeth. You would tell them, or I hope you would tell me. Or, you know, if I'm talking to you and I have coffee breath or my breath's a little stanky, then offer me a mint. I wouldn't be embarrassed. But for whatever reason, we feel embarrassed to try to help our brother and sister out. And we also feel embarrassed when somebody tells us there's something in our teeth. We don't, want to bring, we, we don't want to bring attention to it or cause them embarrassment. But sometimes you need to say something, or, or do you? See, that same person I was talking to shared a story with me about being out with friends years ago. They were out and about walking, and he all of a sudden noticed a friend in front of him with, with a stain on their pants. And he was torn. Should he tell that person? If he did, what, what would he say? How would he say it, and how would that person react to it? I mean, he didn't end up saying anything. But, you know, so, some of you may have done the same. While some of you, I'm sure, would have concocted up some scenario, something, to make sure this person was aware of their stained past. And just like in weightlifting or, or, or marathon training or any exercises, we're gonna, we'll have to do the same things we, we, we don't want to do. And much worse, hear things we don't want to hear from those training with us or pushing us to do better and work harder. You see, True North, truthing in love speaks to this idea of maintaining truth in love in both speech and in our lives. Especially in groups like this, or when you go on to go to church in your adult life, if you don't go to Compass anymore and you're, you, you have a family, there's going to be those circumstances, those scenarios, the situations where somebody's going to pull you aside and say, I love you, but you keep doing this. So how do we ensure we are verbalizing truth and love? How do we make sure that we're doing that? Well, the first thing, or letter A, is acceptance. See, all of chapter 4 has been on the unity of the body of Christ. So if we're to bear one another in love, then we must be accepting of each other. And that's with as much as somebody might irritate you, as much as somebody might annoy you, that's bearing in love with one another, in unity. See, I feel like the, the freshmen are the easiest people to point to, but I'm not here, I'm not hating on you freshmen, right? Because there's other people too. See, but it, it isn't just them, right? They're just going through a brand new transition. And the best thing that we can do, True North, is love on them guide them, help direct them. See, you, you see that new senior, that new junior, or that other true mother you've never spoken to, go, I encourage you, go and speak to them, get to know them. Accept them into the family, into the body. See, loving each other, knowing that it may not always be easy, and why? Because we are eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. You know what that looks like? Serving each other when it's inconvenient. Attending events for the sake of being together. Being patient with each other. Second thing is encouragement. Letter B. Encouragement. 
Truth and love doesn't merely stop at the action of accepting one another, but it must be verbalized. See, you guys need to be encouraging each other. Encouraging is, as some other translations put it, begging, imploring, urging, exhorting. Are you guys doing this with your friends? Are you guys doing this in your small group? Are you guys doing this here in True North? Are you praying for each other? True North should go beyond acquaintances. I know Johnny from my school. I know Susie from this from club soccer, so on and so forth. You get the point. Right? It goes beyond just that. The, the small little interactions that you have with a person or a group of people. Letter C is honesty. So you've got acceptance, encouragement, and honesty that builds that bond and that unity within True North, within your small groups. See, True North, you should also seek to lovingly be honest with one another. It's looking at your brother's face, your sister's face, and say, hey, you've got some stuff in your teeth. I love you, but let's get that out. See, in the same way you lovingly tell someone they had something in your teeth, you should be lovingly speaking the truth. And when you're faithful to speak the truth in love, you will have a transparent relationship. And this is where people are being edified and people are benefiting from one another. That's the product. You guys are being honest and lovingly being truthful with each other. You're going to build that unity. There's going to be transparency. You're going to connect. You're going to have better relationships. And it's this easy. It starts with, how can I be praying with you? How can I be praying for you? And helping them stay honest and helping them stay accountable to what that request is. See, and this isn't, this isn't meant to bring the person down. As often as that might feel or they might sense that, that's not what it's for. See, the person being, this is being done to provide guidance with gentleness. You need to have your brother's and sister's best interests in mind. That's at the core of acceptance, encouragement, and honesty. Honesty is, I have the best intentions and interests for my brother and my sister. And letter D is biblical truth. See, you have acceptance, encouragement, and honesty among this ministry and big church should be based on biblical truth. It shouldn't... Your acceptance, your encouragement, and your honesty should not be based on your own opinion or your own thoughts or your own feelings on what that might look like or what that is, but on biblical truth. See, as Christians, you aim, your aim should be utilize the common source of your faith and your common source of truth and not just assert, assert your opinion. So the, the way that someone benefits from you when you check your teeth, when you check their teeth, is the same way that someone benefits from you when you're correcting your running, your lifting, or whatever type of exercise routine you have in mind. See, you're looking at, you're looking at and spurring them on to do better. And again, that's what causes cohesion. That's what causes unity. That's what causes a bond, a transparent relationship. And as Christians, we need to speak truth out of love, to be a spiritual benefit to each other and to others. 
And I want to encourage you to look around you, look at your leaders. Think about what your parents have, have asked of you. How are they speaking truth and love in your lives? How are you doing that within your own small group? We must be speaking truth and love so that we may grow up in Christ in all matters of life. And that leads me to my second point. Remember that growth only occurs through Jesus. Remember that growth only occurs through Jesus. See, we need to be taking our cues from, from Christ, the, the supreme example. See, how we speak to each other matters. How you interact with each other matters. Because if you have somebody new come in, they're going to look at that. I see the disrespect there. I see that. I'm not pointing anybody out or saying that this is what I've seen, but it's things to be thinking of, things to be mindful of. Because we aren't in the business of tearing each other down, but growing up in every way into Christ. We're not in the business of tearing each other down, but to grow in this bond that we have in Christ. If you're training with someone for something specific, you can't be offended at corrections or constructive criticisms. You take what they say and implement that into your routine. What they have to offer is vital to you getting better. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. And taking Christ as the, a cue, as a supreme example, and speaking truth in love can be found in John chapter 4. And we're not going to read the whole chapter. It's the first 26 verses that you can look at later, but just for the, the, the sake of time, um, I'm going to dive in. So John, John 4 takes us to Christ interacting with the Samaritan woman. We've all heard this story. We're all familiar with this story. See, here we see Christ having an amazing but controversial conversation discussion. He asked the woman for a drink of water. Taken aback, the woman questions his request. And in verses 13 through 14, Christ tells her of water that would forever quench everyone's thirst. But because of her sin, she completely misses what Christ is saying here. Since she was not able to receive his truth, he decides to deal with her most basic problem. And in verses 16 through 18, Christ tells her to go and get her husband to help her. See, Christ knew what he was asking of her. He already knew. See, this, this was said because Christ knew everything about her. He knew her marital history and that she was living in sin. And in just a few words, Christ had revealed her life of sin and her need for salvation. She ultimately needed Christ. And he was the one who was able to provide that very water that could quench her thirst. Just like you and I do. And see that growth Paul speaks about in verse 15 is in Christ. Any growth needs to be found in him and the development of our lives and those of our community are found more and more in Him. Every part of life finding their center, object, and goal in relation to Christ in union with Him. Furthermore, growth 
And every activity of the members is from Christ. And what I mean by that is everything that we do as a group, everything, everything we do as Christians is from Christ. See, the source and direction. The members can be healthy and strong only as each is dependent on Him. When we're faithful to speak truth in love, there is transparency. A transparency that allows to edify and benefit with one another. Benefit one another. We are to be unified, looking out for each other's best interests. And that's what we have that's what we have when we profess faith in Christ and call ourselves Christians. We see that Christ does this in John 4. He knew what the Samaritan woman truly needed. And he didn't decide to take that moment to tear her down. He didn't say, you know, I'd rather not drink, I'd rather go away thirsty than have a Samaritan pour me water. Now see, Christ broke through the cultural norms to get her to see her ailments and then ultimately providing a solution for her. Turn to John 15, verses 12 and 13. We're going to see what Christ says further on the matter. John 15, 12 through 13. And Christ says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Christ's command was that love prevail among the members, among the body. So when you're thinking of, okay, what of us, what are you talking about, members, body, right? That's you guys, True North. See, as a body of believers here at the beach, our headship is Christ. And should always be Christ. See, if you guys were in main service this last weekend, Pastor Mike spoke up, spoke of the the conflicts will conflicts will all experience, right? Do you guys remember theological, social, spiritual, philosophical? Those four. See, people who use deceit to sway us away, but as believers, we need to speak truth in love. With Christ. At our head and as our head, he is the standard by which we grow. And so those social, those conflicts that Pastor Mike taught us about, right, with Christ as our headship, those things aren't going to get in the way. Those conflicts will be made easier. We'll have a clear conscience when we come up against something that isn't theologically sound. Or if I have friends that don't want to be with me anymore because I'm a Christian. See, just as Christ looked out for people in his ministry, we must look out for others. We need to be looking out for each other. Yes, even when that gets uncomfortable. And guys, it's going to get uncomfortable. It gets uncomfortable. And I speak that from experience, having done that at, at work in an office scenario. We're striving to be more like him. More like Christ. Not individually, but as a unit, as a body, as a body of believers. Okay, going back to the text, let's read verse 16 one more time. That's Ephesians 4, verse 16. That says, 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Guys, Paul says, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. With Christ at the head, we function properly. We're united in Him. We're united with each other. So because of this, we must strive to verbalize our truth in love. We must be truthing in love with the interests of the body in mind, not our own, not just our small group, but as a whole. And what better example to have then to see Christ care for his disciples and people in this manner, just like we saw in John 4. But this unity Paul speaks of, it takes more than just sitting there and listening, myself included. Point number three is be a well-functioning body. This is where we get to work. It's not just sitting here and listening to the sermon. It's not, listen, it's not on, a, on a Sunday where you just sit there and listen to the sermon. It's getting to work. It's supplying what the Word says to your lives. You see, the church will grow up in Christ in all aspects, and this is what Paul means in verse 16. Each part fitting together and supporting each other. I want you guys to get that. Each one of you fitting together just perfectly. Why? Not because of what we do on our own, but because of Christ. Christ is the headship. Christ is who's in charge. Christ is what causes us to grow. Seeing each part fitting together, supporting each other, all members of the body functioning properly. And this is necessary if the body is to grow in the manner that it should. So Paul uses the, this metaphor in verse 16 to explain how people with different roles and gifts can work together in unity for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the church. All right, I want you guys to just track with me real quick. Just track with me. Who's had to get, maybe it's just because I'm old, but who's had to get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom? Okay, I feel better. I was writing that out and I was like, maybe it's just me. I asked my wife and she's like, I don't, who knows? Maybe a couple hands might go up. Okay, you get up, it's middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you wake up, you're like, I gotta go to the bathroom. So you get up. You're half asleep, half awake, mostly asleep. As you stumble and you make your way through the labyrinth of things that is in your room, right? However, before getting there, you trip over those jeans you left uh, just, just hours earlier. You say, why did I leave those there? And you're tripping, you're trying to not fall all the way, and then you stub your pinky toe. I mean, who's a fan of that? Now, if you were mostly asleep, right? So, okay, some tough guys out there. So, you know, you stub your pinky toe, and we all know, like, that's going to hurt regardless of the percentage of, 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 of just the physics of your foot. It's just going to hurt. Whatever angle you get it at, it's just boom, done. I'm incapacitated. I, I, I can no longer walk. That's it. I need, a, I need, uh, I need something that's going to help me walk. I'm, I'm done. See, your life flashes before your eyes and you swear you've never felt pain like this before. Maybe exaggerating, but that's what it feels like. 
So you finish in the bathroom and you limp your way back to bed to hopefully drift back into sleep. See, whether this has happened to you or not, and thank you for raising your hands and not making me feel old, but stubbing your pinky toe feels like the world's falling apart. Am I right? See, there's a lot happening in that little toe. That little tiny toe. See, those, that little tiny toe, along with the rest of your toes, each have two nerve receptors. So no matter what angle you get your toe, it's guaranteed to hurt. Yeah. They're like, Elvis, I, if I stub my toe at this angle, is it going to hurt? I'm going to say yes, absolutely, every time. Every time. See, not to mention, you're also hitting skin, nail, and bone. And when we hit that little toe, we commit ourselves to never letting it happen again. I will guard you little toe with everything I possibly can. I love you. Don't get hurt again. See, we want to protect it. We walk more carefully. Pick things up so we don't trip. Your parents can thank me for that. When you go home and you pick up your clothes off your room, your bedroom floor. We want to make sure we are guarding our feet. See, as Paul points out, Christians, we are the body with Christ being the head the very same way we do all we can from preventing injury to our own bodies is the way that we should be seeking the overall well-being of the church body. It's the very same way that you guys should be seeking out the overall well-being of each other and True North and your small groups. See, just like our own anatomy, the body is joined together by carefully being fitted together. Paul says that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Each member is held and brought together via supporting ligaments. Colossians chapter 2, verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body and nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. And this is, based on the st- this is based on the standard of the measured working of everybody. This isn't just take this group here, or that group there, or that group back there, or you five over there. It takes all of you being fitted together, knitted, working everything out. This is what causes the body to grow in Christ and build itself up in love. When that measure is accomplished by each believer... The church grows properly, as Paul says in verse 16. This brings us to Christ-likeness. And this doesn't work when we don't allow for the gift of ourselves or others to function. That's being stifled. They're saying, no, you shouldn't do that. No, you don't belong there. Stifling it. Stunting growth. So where do we go from here? How do we, how do we start this work? How do we jumpstart this car? Small groups. Don't take these for granted. Utilize the time you must, uh, utilize the time that you have to really get to know people. Really get to know people. Like I said earlier, True North, you're beyond acquaintances, especially if you proclaim to be a Christian. Own these relationships and build unity. I said this already again. Be at events. I could just leave it at that. Let it let it sit and linger. But 
Be it events for the sake of fellowship. Be it events for the sake of each other. Be it events for the sake of connecting with one another. I want you to build up, encourage, exhort, admonish, and love each other the way that you should be, the way that we're being called to. And take this seriously and be genuine about it. Because this is a great stepping stone into what your Christian faith and life will be eventually as adults. Because as adults, you'll be having to do this also. Building up unity. Being, having transparent relationships. Loving each other. Encouraging each other. Do your all to preserve unity within your small group and True North as a whole. Everyone contributes to this unified growth as they allow their gifts to function. Don't, be, don't, don't, don't stop in your tracks because you don't think you'll ever be able to play up on stage for the worship team. There's other things and other ways that you could be serving the church, that you could be serving each other. See the importance of needing each other and value that. Seriously and genuinely value that. How often do you ask yourselves, how can I encourage my small group more? How can I encourage my brothers and sisters more? How can I be encouraging my homies more? Again, one of the challenges that we were, uh, that we were described and, talk and, and was, was talked about on Sunday was interdependence. If you've made a profession of faith, striving for independency is the opposite of what we should be doing. We shouldn't be wanting to run this race alone. This is an endurance race after all. And those aren't fun by yourselves. And this is a part of what we do. This is who we are. See, and then when we find that our small groups need to be serious, need to be genuine, and that we are to be striving for interdependency amongst each other, we see that this starts with the reliance on the Lord. It starts with reliance on the Lord. See, the body depends on the Lord's direction for its work and its growth. We're not deciding on our own where that's going. We're not deciding on our own where our small group's going to go. I mean, you do to a certain point, but not from a growth, the spiritual growth perspective. See, no growth can occur on our own or without Christ as the headship. And guys, that should kind of make you nervous. Is, is there any growth happening in your lives now? Is there any growth happening in your small groups now? See, Jesus is the means by which growth occurs in any church, and he is the standard by which Christians live. If you believe it or not, I'm training for a marathon. It's October. It's October. I'm uh, doing the, the big, big boy race. And I have a schedule in place. I'm training to eat better. I'm trying to eat better. I'm training. I'm trying to rest more. I'm stretching a lot. See, I, I, and I have a handful of guys who I've been running with, who I'm connected with. And I think if I was training by myself and then trying to run the marathon by myself, it, it, it'd be harder. I could do it, but it'd be harder. See, I'd be less likely to be motivated to push myself, to, to run faster to pick up my pace, 
to keep to endure. But running with brothers keeps me motivated. It motivates me by how they help me, how they push me, and the feedback they give me. Like, you could start running here, or you run like a gazelle. It hurts my feelings a little bit, but it makes me <laughs> adjust my form. See, I want to get better. I want to run faster. I want to stop running like a gazelle. And I want to endure longer. See, as Christians, we have a bond that no others have. See, we have a commonality amongst each other if professing Christians is that. Is our identity is in Christ. We must stand united as one body, motivating each other by trying to, by speaking truth in love, pushing ourselves to be more like, more Christ-like, and ensuring we are doing our all to the loving and building each other up so that we may endure to the end. Let's pray. Thank you.